Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Movement is located in Newport, Kentucky, and you're always welcome to join us on a Sunday morning at 1030. Hope you enjoy this podcast. Um, especially right here as we're about to talk about some things that have happened these last four months. How many of you in these last four months, we'll talk about the hard stuff, let's talk about the fun stuff first. How many of those last four months have picked up a new hobby, tried something new? Anybody, anybody tried something new? How about this? Has anyone baked some bread maybe for the first time? So, so can't shout up in the back. I, I don't understand this. You get, you get a starter and you have to do a bunch of stuff to it and then you have to throw a bunch of it away and then do the whole process again. And after like three years, you get like a small slice of bread or something, right? Uh, or, or maybe you've, you've decided that you're going to start cooking something different. You're going to cook something new. You're going you're gonna to try something like that. Maybe you were doing the, the DIY stuff. And you were working, doing stuff in, in the house or, or outside. I know at my house, we, we kind of tackled a lot, of, a lot of outside work and, and, and thankfully did it before it got so blazing hot here. Or maybe for you, you, you decided you were going to read a lot more. You're going you're gonna to do, you know, improve yourself. Or maybe you just let Netflix run, right? <laughs> Anybody, anybody do the Tiger King, that craziness? I didn't. How many of you, like me, watch the Jordan doc and like, are ready to say, like the Michael Jordan documentary, like, hey, sorry, LeBron, you're great, but no, no, you're not Mike. Or, or maybe for you, you, uh, you realized my new hobby is working a ton more. We got any essential workers in the room, healthcare, law enforcement, people that are just had to be there, people that are serving. Uh, man, thank you so much for the ways in which you stepped up. Or maybe, uh, maybe you had to try something new. Maybe you had to become an educator, a teacher. Yeah. NTI makes you break out into a cold sweat, you know? Those that phrasing. I know we got some teachers in the room and they're like, hey, look what we've been doing, right? You know, look, look, you're going to appreciate me now. And so how about this? I want to hear maybe from some kids, or maybe you kids just start thinking about this. Grade your parents. Grade your parents on how good a, a teacher they were in these last four months. What would you give them in terms of their grade? Because they don't know anything, right? Like, we don't know the new way to do math. We, we forgot the periodic table. We, we don't know the scientific method. We forgot most of the history that we learned. Like, we're struggling with this. Or how about this? What has been your favorite part of the last four months? I honestly would love to hear this. And maybe in the comments section, you guys can share that. Of all the hard stuff that we're going to address, but in these last four months, has there been anything positive? Has there been any good? Things that you've enjoyed? What, honestly, let's hear from you. Raise your hand, shout it out. What's been something that's been good in these last four months? No traffic. <laughs> Scott is tired of 471, right? And no traffic. Yeah, traffic's been down. What's some other good things? Oh, man. Welcome, Stephanie. Welcome. Welcome. God bless you. We love your granddaughter. We love it, Asia. Yes. Yes. From one commonwealth to another. Welcome. Thank you so much for, for being here. Yeah, any other good things? Any other good things? Trivial, serious, whatever it might be. What? Where's been some positives the last four months? Being forced, to slow down Being forced to slow down personally. Now, Nikki, I'm not trying to get on you, but you're a worker. You are somebody that gets after. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 you've been fun. all your landscaping victories. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's a beautiful way to look at it, that you've been forced to slow down. Nikki's one of our great educators who just pours herself into this community in particular, but kids in general, and so we, we honor that. Because there's been some good things in this moment, right? There's been some good moments where we've been kind of forced to, to stop. We've been forced to think about some things. Because think about it this way. In these last four months, if you go back to the beginning of March, are you the same person? Are you the same person that you were four months ago? What has changed? I mentioned earlier, I think there's a sense of grief. There's a, a, a sense of loss. I think there's this new, renounced sense of appreciation of things. I, I think there's some things that, that, that we miss that we don't even realize don't we realize was a good thing in our life to begin with? What, what has changed? What, what is now important that wasn't? In these last four months, we've, we've seen the, the grief and the pain that has been poured out. We've seen the ways in which we've, we've watched families struggle with seeing family members, loved ones, die alone. Or, or just that, that overworked nurse or technician or doctor who is their only point of contact at the end of memorial services that had to be modified drastically and that public grieving that wasn't able to occur. I I think about the ways in which there's been this isolation that for those of us who weren't directly affected by COVID-19, that we have been withdrawing ourselves, right? And we have now come into this new appreciation of community, of family, of friends. The ways in which that, that, that mental health challenges that were existing before have, have just intensified, have been raised far above what it was manageable. The ways in which financial hardship, unemployment, being furloughed, small businesses closing, uncertainty. And that was before Memorial Day. I think that grief... And that shock and that reality that the sin of racism is just, man, we're not nearly as far along as I think many of us had hoped we were. And we could talk about policies and change, and we could talk about what needs to happen, but I think first we just have to grieve. We have to acknowledge that whenever a human life is devalued, whether that be because of the color of their skin or because of their age and being end of life or, or, or whether it be prior to birth, whatever it is, whenever we devalue life, this is a failure. This is a problem. So these questions, these questions that have arisen, these questions that I think many of us myself not included, have been about, have been raising for some time. This is not new to so many, but collectively, and I think specifically the church, we have to wrestle with it. So in some ways, at least for me and maybe for you, these last four months have served as a, as a, as a clarifying moment. 
A ways in which we can see that, hey, our eyes are now open to some realities. We see the brokenness, the reality of sin. We see these ways in which it separates and severs people from one another. A virus is a sinful thing. I don't think God intended that. Racism is a sinful thing. I don't think God intended that. Poverty and brokenness and mental health challenges, all of these things are outside of God's best. So what do we do? As people who call on the name of Jesus, if we are a Jesus follower, if we are trying to align our lives with Jesus, if we say yes to Jesus, what are we supposed to do about this? I think we take stock, we reflect, we mourn, we listen, we recognize things aren't right. We recognize that, that living in community around others and, and finding ways to love our neighbors is difficult at best, but that we need others. We are not islands unto ourselves. We are not meant to be cut off from others. So how we treat other people matters. How we value other people's other people matters. And we see this in the division. We see this in violence. We see in the past four months all of this coming further and further to the surface. So what do we do? What do we do in the face of such challenges where we think that someone, because of the color of their skin, doesn't feel safe? And we think about the ways in which law enforcement is often asked to do things that are honestly not fair to ask anyone to deal with in terms of the myriad of challenges you know first responders are aptly named but i think so often our first responders are first responders to sin and are we equipping those brave service people those people who serve they are served are we equipping them the best way so what do we do do we just vote differently do we put something on Facebook and think a hashtag's going to fix it? Do we, just, do we just talk about it for a week and then move on? I think we have to align ourselves with Jesus. We have to ask ourselves, do I, if I'm a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, do I really take Jesus seriously? Am I in on the message of Jesus? Am I in on the teaching, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the rebirth of the, the, the birth of the church and the work of the Spirit? Am I, do I take these things seriously, or are they just one aspect of my life? So in this clarifying moment, we've got to come back to what Jesus said. Because I can't say it right. And I'm not going to just throw out hashtags or catchphrases or pithy sayings that I don't fully grasp or I don't want to be fully connected to. I want to be fully connected to the words and the teachings of Jesus. So we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is this countercultural message of Jesus. And here in a moment, I'm going to read it out loud. And Tim and Jason, if you guys would come up, they're going to play underneath us here and kind of allow us to be in a worshipful place as we do this. But let me set up the context of this. You see on the screen there this picture. And this picture is actually from the Mount of Beatitudes. This is in Israel. This is by the Sea of Galilee. And this is looking down. You can see in the background there, that's the sea. It's really more of a lake. It's a smaller body of water. And on this mount, this kind of, it kind of is sloping down. We would probably call it a hill, but, but there in that place, this, this 
you know, inhospitable places, so, so much of that area, but around the Sea of Galilee is very fertile and green. You have this kind of extended out plain. It's like this very slow slope to the water. And so it's almost like a natural amphitheater. I think Jesus connected with people there. He taught, and he did this incredible teaching. So you can imagine that people have heard about Jesus. They're coming to hear what he has to say, and they are struck by what Jesus says. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And so Tim and Jason, when you guys are ready, would you go ahead and lead with us here? And as they're playing and as I'm speaking these words, I pray, I ask that this would be a way that we can worship. So when you're ready, guys, go ahead. Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Father, may the words of your Son, the words of you come to earth, the words of Jesus, cut us to the heart. May we hear them. May we hear them anew, hear them freshly, hear them for the first time, hear them in a way that challenges us, that pushes us. Not to some moral goal, not to some sense of appearances of looking good amongst others but push us towards that full life that free life that you are offering thank you father for your word thank you for your teaching thank you for your life death and resurrection it's in the name of the one who did all that amen amen thanks guys so what does blessed mean? Does it mean that if we do these things, 
we are poor in spirit, if we are meek, if we are peacekeepers, then God will love us more? Does it mean that, that if we do these things, it will somehow unlock what God has for us? I, I think what it is is that, that this idea of being blessed, as Jesus talks about it, is more descriptive than prescriptive. This is Jesus' way of saying, hey, these things, these things that you are, are, are living out, these things that you see happening, this is what I'm about. This isn't a laundry list, a to-do list of items that this, these people, this audience is supposed to do. Because this is what Jesus does when he's teaching. He, he flips things on their head. He makes people uncomfortable. This crowd would have expected certain things to be said, right? This is a rabbi. This is a teacher of some renown. He's going to go after the Romans. He's going to go after the sinners. He's going to go after those who are oppressing us. He's going to go after those who are perverting our faith, our religion. He's going to go after those who don't take this seriously. He is going to take some shots. And then Jesus comes in and says things that don't fit that mold. Here in the Beatitudes, in the rest of this sermon, he says things that are uncomfortable. He says things that when you consider them, when you play them out logically, you see there are holes in the whole thing. You can almost hear people asking those what about questions, right? Well, blessed are the people sayers, but what if they're really deserving of this? Blessed are the meek, but what, but what about that time where we should stand up for our faith? What about taking a stand for truth? What about this? What about that? Are you saying that you can't be for those people? Are you excluding some people just because they don't fit in this? I think what Jesus is saying here is that I am raising, I'm elevating these overlooked, these people on the margins because they are loved and they are valued. And because they've been pushed to the side, they are missing out. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at several of these lines from the Beatitudes. And Tim and Jason, you guys can, can step down if you want. You don't have to stand up there like a backing band the whole time. They got stuck up here and they didn't know what to do. They got, they got awkward on us here. But we read in the Beatitudes, one of the first ones is this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, mourners are people who have lost. Particularly in this culture, they have, they have lost. They've been on the losing side of things. They don't have a life to celebrate. They are mourning been lost. Something about the way of Jesus, the kingdom, is to cry out about things that are wrong. Now, it's not about vengeance here, is it? Because you could easily read this and say, blessed are those that punch the bully in the mouth. Jesus could have said, blessed are those who fight back and bring revenge to those who need it. Jesus doesn't say his way is full of people that are going to for something that is right. He says, blessed are those who mourn, who cry out, who call out, who see this pain. If you're watching online or here in this room, just think about this, this question. What are those things? What is something that makes you sad, pains you? Jesus says that in that we are met by God. That we are comforted not by circumstance, but by what God is doing. 
It's not the vengeful that will be vindicated. It will be the mourners who will be comforted. Jesus goes on to say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now let me nerd out a little bit with you here. This word righteousness, in the Greek, it's one word. And that Greek word in English is translated as righteousness, but it's also elsewhere in the Bible, in the New Testament, it's translated as justice. It's rather interchangeable. And so I would define righteousness as saying when God gets what God wants, that this is the way that God intends it. This is God getting justice. This is God making things right. Righteousness and justice are somehow linked in the thinking here of Matthew in the words of Jesus. He says that the blessed are these people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, maybe today you're, you're going out for a nice meal. I am actually, and I'm really excited about it tonight. We're going to a nice steakhouse, and, and we were driving, coming back from Indianapolis where on Friday, where, or the, yesterday when we were spending time with my dad for Father's Day. And Heidi, my wife, is reading me the menu, right? She's reading me the menu of what we're, where we're going tonight. And it's just like you're, you're salivating. Like you just, I, I want this. I want this. I desire this. Jesus ties that instinct, that feeling when, of hunger and thirst to this idea when we hunger for righteousness, when we hunger for what God wants, for what God is giving, what God is desiring, what God says this is right, when we hunger and thirst for food in the same way when we hunger and thirst for justice, for righteousness, for God getting what God wants, we will be filled. Jesus goes on and says, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. See, so often we judge based on the outward. We judge on the outward. We, we judge on, on, on people's wealth, status, privilege, rank, whatever, based on the outward appearance. We judge other people at a, at a, at a glance. And, and ultimately, we receive messages, thousands of messages today through advertisements and the like that tell us that if we change what other people can see, if we buy this product, if we look this way, if we do this, if we align with this, then we will be fulfilled. Then we will find peace. Then we will find happiness. We, we get that sense when we see somebody with the new thing, right? With that new thing. We might have heard about it and thought, man, that's a lot of money for that. But then when we see somebody else have it, we want that. New car, new gadget, new whatever. You know, you, we're all watching on TV, and every time they do an interview with somebody, they've got to do it remotely, whether it's news or a comedy talk show or whatever. And everyone's got the Apple AirBuds, right? The Apple AirPods. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Luddite. I'm calling it the wrong thing. And I used to think, man, that is, how much money for ear, for something like that that I'll step on, I'll lose, and people are selling out. And then I see them everywhere, and I think, man, those sound pretty cool. Those look pretty nice. You know, it, it's how it gets twisted. It gets twisted on us. Because, yeah, when you're driving a nice car, when you have nice clothes, it does feel good, Right? But Jesus is saying that we are not judged by that. We're judged by the pure of heart. And maybe for you, think about it this way. Maybe for you, there's something that you have realized in the past four months has really mattered. You've realized in the past four months there was something you were taking for granted. And through the horror 
of these past four months, through the grief and the pain, through the isolation, through the disruption, there have been these moments where you say, I don't want to go back to the way I was. I want to appreciate this. See, it's not just about doing the right things. It's not about just a hashtag. It's not just about saying the right things or or joining the right side, whatever that might mean. Because yes, we should speak up for truth. We should speak up for justice. We should speak up for for, for, for righteousness. But we should also recognize that some social media post into the void isn't going to solve all the problems. They call it slacktivism. I think what Jesus is calling us out is saying that if we're going to be about the right things, don't just do it in a way that other people can see you doing it. Don't just do it in a way that is for is performative for others. Do it in a way that your behavior changes, your heart changes. Jesus goes on, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You ever been in a conflict with somebody at work? home family friends whatever and you avoid them avoider a peacemaker steps in a peacemaker goes into that into that mess recognizing that things aren't right things aren't perfect goes into that to bring about peace for they will be called children of god peacemaking is hard it is full of conflict it is difficult yet jesus faces this head on we see this so clearly when he goes to the cross paul says this in colossians chapter 1 verse 19 20 says for god was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to make things right to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace by making peace through his blood jesus going to the cross was that easy was that simple no but it was peace making But it all starts, the Beatitudes start with this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, poor in spirit is a callback. Often when Jesus speaks, it is just laced and laden with all of what we would call the Old Testament. The Hebrew Scriptures, the Hebrew Bible, is just all over this. And this is a direct reference to something the prophet Isaiah says. And so we can infer from that that Jesus is not just talking about those who are poor in terms of monetary, material things. But he is talking about people who have a direct and clear understanding of just how much they need God. The poor in in spirit know that they are hopeless without God. If you flip over to Luke chapter 15, we'll look at this here in a moment. There's this moment where the, the religious elite, the teachers, the ones who, who have power, the, te- the ones who will eventually uh, conspire to have Jesus killed. They go after Jesus. They say, this guy is eating with sinners. He is, he is being around the people that he should not be around. That Jesus is going to call these people out. He's going to say that they are whitewashed tombs. And on the outside, they look great because it's got a fresh cone of paint. But on the inside, they are rotting away. This is a callback to that pure at heart. He'll call out these religious leaders who stand up in the temple and pray loudly for all to hear in that performative way. These are the people muttering to themselves about how Jesus eats with sinners. And yet these sinners, and these are the people that know 
exactly who they are. These are the people who know exactly what they're about. They're not under these illusions. They are not having this sense of, man, look how good I am. They're very aware. These are the traitors, the addicts, the sick, the violent, the racist, the terrorist. These are the people who judge. These are the people who are bigots. These are the people who are violent. These are the people who, who cause pain and harm. These are people who sell their bodies. These are the people that have left their people and their community and all loyalties aside. And Jesus hangs out with them. So Jesus has this showdown in Luke chapter 15, and then we read this. Jesus responds by saying, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 and the open country to go after the lost sheep until he finds it? You ever realize how bad of a shepherd this guy is? Right? He leaves 99. He, he risks 99 sheep for the one. The math doesn't add up. I've heard people say, well, maybe he had a, an apprentice shepherd and so on and so forth, but this is not, this is not an effective shepherd. But we read that Jesus, his whole point is to go after, to fight after the one to bring it back to the 99. He says that blessed are the poor in spirit, those who understand what it means to be lost and what it means to be found. So I think what Jesus is pointing us towards, I think the only thing that can guide us forward, the only thing that can direct us is this idea of repentance. So what do we do in the midst of all this? How do we as just individuals respond? I think we repent. We stop and we listen to God. We listen to the work of the Spirit in others. And we ask God, God, where am I wrong? Where am I off? Where have I gone away, gone astray from the herd, gone astray from the flock, left the 99, and you got to come get me and bring me back? The word repent literally means you're going one direction, you stop, you turn around, you go the opposite direction. You rejoin the herd, you rejoin the family of God. And so in Luke chapter 15, we see what happens when the poor in spirit realize their mistake, allow God to bring them back and change the behavior. We see what happens because Jesus celebrates. Jesus celebrates. So what do we do? We start with repentance. We start by simply asking God, where have I screwed up? We start by simply asking for forgiveness. And then we allow the Spirit, God working in us, to direct us back. To direct us back to the ways of Jesus. Here in a moment, we're going to celebrate what it means to come back. What it means to remember that we can come back. We're going to celebrate communion. And when we do this, it's going to be weird, it's going to be different. But it's a time for us to celebrate what Jesus did. And so I'm going to invite the band up because they're going to lead us again through this last, last thing. And I want to ask you this. Band, come on up, guys. Lacey stood up and you boys didn't. Yeah. I'm going to ask you this. If you're a follower of Jesus and you get to define that, 
I don't really care about church membership or your past or whatever. I'm saying right now, in this moment, are you a follower of Jesus? I'd ask you to pick up what looks like a little coffee creamer. Right there, it should be around you. If it's not, maybe it's behind you at the table. But go ahead and grab one of these if you are wanting to take communion with us. And when you're ready, when you're ready, what's going to happen is you're going you're gonna to peel back the top, the clear part. And there's a little wafer there, and I'd ask you to take it. And when you're ready, you go ahead and peel back the rest of it, and there's juice there, and you take that when you're ready. And let this be a time where we can celebrate the body and blood of Jesus that was shed for us, that was broken for us. Because in that moment at the cross, we get to celebrate repentance. So as the band leads, and when you're ready, let's honor, let's celebrate that we can repent. Mm -hmm.